Variety is the spice of life, which is why we highly recommend My Pet Chicken because they have so much to offer. You can order day-old chicks and waterfowl, chicken supplies, hatching eggs, and there's a wealth of information on their website. Our favorite part about My Pet Chicken is that you can put together your dream chick order without any breed minimums to make your egg basket super colorful. So go to mypetchicken.com slash drinkandfarm to put in your chick, duckling, or gosling order. That link lets them know that we sent you, and it's a great way to support our podcast and fulfill all of your poultry addiction needs. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Beth. What you drinking today? So I made myself a cocktail from Mm-mm. the Simple Goodness Sisters cocktail club box. Oh, you got that? Yeah, I did. Oh, I so totally jealous. got that. <laughs> um, well, I got it for a couple of reasons. I really, really wanted to support their new cocktail club thing because I just thought that that was the coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. But also, I thought that I could really, like, up my drink game, if that makes any sense. Yes. (laughs) Because sometimes I think I got just, like, a little stuck, uh, you know, like, in beer or coffee. (laughs) Yeah, that's totally fair. And the nice thing about the cocktails is, like, if you're feeling like you don't want to have too much of a buzz after we record, you just maybe cut the liquor in half. You know? Yeah, or make a smaller one. Or like, so this cocktail um, is called the Garden Tour. Mm. And um, it's a cocktail that has gin in it. And um, two ounces, or not two ounces, I'm sorry, a half an ounce of their, they did like a small batch syrup as part of the Garden Club box. Um, but it's a lime basil syrup. Oh, yummy. Yeah. And um, what was really cool about this cocktail is that the gin that they recommend, it's called New American Style Gin. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And I don't even like gin. So I'm probably not going to like this. (laughs) But uh, Jared and I went to the liquor store. There's only one in our county because, you know, rural Midwest. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And um, I Googled New American Style Gin and Hendrix came up as the gin that was recommended for that. Um, And it's actually really good. Like it doesn't, it's not a dry gin. So like dry gin kind of feels like it like punches me in the face when I drink it (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it like it just like it's very shocking like to my senses um but this style of gin it has more of like a earthy taste to it okay and it's like a little smoother so it was actually a really good drink and um I always pour mine over ice this is how I drink my bourbon too because I need to cut like I need to cut the alcohol yeah. just a tad. And so that allows me to enjoy the drink um, longer without like the overwhelming alcohol taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just have one. I can't have more than one cocktail because apparently I'm too old for that nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's my really long cocktail story. <laughs> hey, it was a good story though. <laughs> so what are you drinking over there? 
So today I am drinking a Blake's Hard Cider Company Strawberry Lemonade. Yum. I'm so glad you're drinking that. I was hoping you were going to drink one of those because it looks amazing. (laughs) It's really good. Um, I saw it on their Instagram and I was like, oh, I need that. And the place that I usually get my booze didn't have it yet. But my husband, he gets to leave the house every day and he gets to go (laughs) into these places called gas stations. Um, And he found it. And I, he told me, I got a present for you. And I was like, is it food related? Because <laughs> this is what we talk about during the day via text message. And he's like, drink. And I'm like, oh. So I like totally guessed what it was. But it is a combined tart lemon with sweet, ripe strawberries finished off with five apple blend to bring you the strawberry lemonade. And I just saw... Now, this will be a couple weeks old by the time this episode drops, but they are coming out with a blueberry lemonade. Oh. So I'm going to have to find that, too. Nice. But yeah, this is great. Um, It is 6.5% alcohol by volume, so it's got a little punch to it, but it's definitely going to be a summer favorite around here. Mm. Mm -hmm. I have to see if I can find some of that. Our drink peep this episode is our friend Elizabeth Steves, and she is at Steel02 over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. All right. We get to dive right in to our episode topic today. Yay. I'm excited because I know nothing about this, and I'm very excited ready to learn if this is something that I want to get into. So I'm going to be probably kind of like the listeners today and just kind of (laughs) listening, (laughs) probably throwing in some bad jokes, but also asking some questions. Uh, But with no uh, further delay, Bev, what are we talking about today? Okay, so before I give everybody the topic, I'm going to give just a tad bit of backstory because this uh, backstory is what uh, inspired this to even happen. So I don't know if anybody remembers this, um, but back in January, we talked on the podcast episode about how Jared had started weighing all of our food waste Mm-hmm. And we talk about that in episode 95, Let's Be Human Together. It was released sometime in mid-January, and we'll put a link to it in the show notes so you guys can find it if you haven't heard that episode yet. But um, I never followed up on that and like told anybody what ended up happening out of that. Um, <laughs> well, we weighed our food until early June, and the total was like 118 pounds. <laughs> oh, wow. That's like a... In a- like a really fit adult human being yeah it is it's like a really fit adult human being or maybe like both of my kids combined there you go hey there you go yeah but yeah it's a lot of food and the reason why we were weighing our food is because we had listened to a podcast episode and we learned that like 10 percent ish of greenhouse gas emissions are caused by methane that's released from food waste that's not able to break down in the landfill um, because landfills are anaerobic uh, environments which means that they don't have oxygen in them um, and mm. food needs oxygen to break down. So instead of breaking down properly, it turns into greenhouse gas and it eventually gets released into the atmosphere. No bueno. No bueno. And 40% of all food that's produced is wasted at some point between harvest and the consumer. So like Ugh. 40% of it is wasted before it even like gets to the grocery store or our tables, which is the part that we don't necessarily have control over. Mm-hmm. And the average family wastes 40% of the food they buy, which is like... Ugh throwing 200-ish dollars in the trash every month. Oh, that's terrible. See, I feel like I do pretty good in this department. 
but I do struggle sometimes when I'm buying fresh produce because if I don't time it out just right, like it's really easy to waste so much money. So yeah. that's usually why I just don't buy it. <laughs> Have you seen that meme of the lady pulling um, like lettuce off of a grocery store counter or something? And she's like, do you want to come home and die in the back of my bench with me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I will say um, I will plug Montana, one of our listeners here. She did post about Misfit Market. Oh, yeah. They fixed the problem of ugly food not making it to the supermarket because we Americans are super weird about what our food looks like. Yeah. So, like, it's the ugly fruit and, and vegetables. But sometimes most of the stuff, the stuff looks really normal and it's good and it's all organic. But it's just like a weekly or a biweekly situation. And it's like a reasonable amount. So, like, that, I've been wasting way less with that method. So, I'll just throw that out there if you guys need to look into that. If you're, yeah, if you're a fruit veggie killer like I am. <laughs> That's super awesome. I love that. My parents have been doing that, too, and I've been mm. thinking of signing up. But we're about to have a giant garden out there. Yes. So, I was like, uh, I'll wait until fall. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm definitely going to be pausing mine once my garden really takes off this summer. <laughs> So, uh, back to our food waste thing. Yes. We kind of lost our way on the weighing and the measuring of it because 2020. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. think I have to say anything else. But it was just like it got mentally taxing to kind of do it. And it was just like it was a negative thing that we were tracking. And it was just like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I understand the benefit of it. But like, what are we doing about it? Like, that's what we really need to be focusing on now instead of the counting of it. Because we already know that it's more than we would like it to be. Yeah, you got a good baseline there. You know, you stuck with it for what, like five months? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so it wasn't too bad. Um, But we realized, oh, wait, like, so one of the things that we can do is so we already compost and we had already built compost bins. And in fact, I'll get to harvest some of that regular compost out this spring, probably in like a couple of months, I'll be able to open it up. But we realized instead of just composting, like in the pile compost, like we have been doing, we could add vermicomposting to our plan to mitigate food waste, which will help us keep more food waste out of the landfills and allows us to feed our garden a little faster than regular composting does, which is like a total win-win. Vermicomposting. That sounds like it's got some creepy crawly things. (laughs) It does. There, like vermin. (laughs) (laughs) So vermicomposting is composting with worms. Yes. So uh, shortly after we had uh, stopped counting all of our food waste, we bought all the materials we needed to get started. But then 2020 (laughs) was just still going on. (laughs) I don't know what else to say about that either. (laughs) I mean, it's, yeah, it's tough when you already have so many projects in motion on a farm. And like, Around that time, I imagine your garden was probably booming pretty good, too. So mm-hmm. everybody, and we're just busy. Even if we're just home all the time and not going anywhere, you find ways to be busy. So I get it. You know, totally get it. Yeah. So I finally built our composting bin just a couple of weeks ago. So Hooray! I was like, yay. Now I can tell everybody all about how amazing vermicomposting is or composting with worms is. 
Yes. So before we get started, though, I do want to let you know that um, we do have an episode that's all about composting without worms. So if when you get to the end of this episode, you're like, worm composting is just totally not for me, go check that episode out. Um, It's episode 110. Poop is perfect. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) And we have a few sources for today's episode. Actually, we have a lot of sources for today's episode because it all of my um, vermicomposting knowledge has come from a whole team of people, which is pretty cool. One of them was Epic Gardening. Uh, he's where I got the video for how to build the worm bin. Positively Green podcast actually just did an episode mid-March. It's called How to Get Started with Vermicomposting. And they brought up some things that I hadn't thought of. So I was really happy about that. And I'll share some of those things in this episode. But you definitely want to go listen to theirs because uh, Suzette, uh, Kelsey's new uh, co-host, she has a really cool story for how she got started with her vermicomposting. So I'm not going to tell her story. I'll tell mine. But you definitely want to go hear hers. And Vermicomposting 101 from foodprint.org, Biological Performance did a uh, little article about worm castings, and Worm Composting HQ is where I got some really valuable information about using worm bin lachate. Yes, I said that word right. Worm bin lachate. (laughs) (laughs) What is lachate? Oh, don't worry. I will get to what all of that stuff is very shortly because I just (laughs) threw a lot of words out there that we've like never mentioned on the podcast. (laughs) So there'll be links to all of those things in the show notes. So you definitely want to go check them out. Um, They'll be at drinkandfarm.com slash 156. Okay, so we'll start with an explanation of vermicomposting. And like I already said, it's composting with worms. And the basics of it is they eat your food and paper scraps and they poop out worm castings. Hooray, poop. (laughs) Yeah. And worm castings are the worm's poop. Um, But don't worry, it's not like cow or donkey poop. So it's not like nasty and sticky and like stinky. Um, It looks a lot like topsoil and it smells really earthy. So you're not going to like feel squeamish or like grossed out handling it, which is really nice. Mm Mm-hmm. And worm castings are really awesome because they have a super rich mix of enzymes and bacteria, and they contain more humus than is usually found in topsoil. And humus is the organic component of soil that's made from decomposed material, if that is a new word as well. (laughs) And you put worm castings straight in the garden to feed your plants. The nutrients include like concentrated nitrates, magnesium, potassium, calcium, phosphorus, manganese, iron, cobalt, nitrogen, zinc, copper, carbon. Those are all things that your plants need um, to grow and be healthy. But it is important to note that worm castings aren't a complete fertilizer. So there are some plants out there where you will need just a little bit more um, than just worm casting. So um, I can't think of any of the specific plants off the top of my head, but I do know that there's some nutrients missing from that. So you'll still want to have some sort of like fertilizing plan, probably like 
whole compost, you know, like from a compost pile will help make up some of that. Or you can get some sort of like liquid organic fertilizer. I'm super into feeding my garden this year. (laughs) (laughs) And your vermicomposting system will also produce something called worm leachate. And that's the liquid that gathers at the bottom of your bin. And yes, (laughs) it sounds really gross. But because your bin doesn't smell like the leachate doesn't smell either. Um, And in fact, if your leachate smells, it means that there's a problem and you should check it. Uh. But anyways, leachate is not worm tea, although it does get confused with worm tea a lot. Worm tea is made by mixing the worm castings and water and letting it ferment for like a week or so. And worm tea is really great for your plants. But leachate, on the other hand, uh, should be used with caution because it's not actually consumed by your composting worms. So um, like the bad bacteria and stuff doesn't get cleaned by going through your healthy worms guts. So the worm bin leachate can potentially contain like bacteria or toxins that can be harmful to you or burn your plants. So because of the risk of that, it's actually not recommended that you use raw worm bin leachate on edible plants. So uh, one thing you can do with it is you can water it down because you don't want to use it at full potency. You can water it down and like spray it on your lawn or maybe spray it like at the base of flowers or in the dirt, but don't like spray it on the things that you would eat. (laughs) Like you wouldn't want to (laughs) like use it as like a foliar spray basically, I think is what they're trying to say. So you can still use it to feed your plants if you wanted to, but make sure that you water it down. And I would definitely do some more reading, like very specifically on leachate before you use it. Um, Worm bins are kind of wet and they do create a lot of liquid. So it's good to know the difference between worm tea and leachate because they are definitely different. (laughs) (laughs) So now let's talk about how I built my worm bin. And I made mine out of three Rubbermaid Roughneck Totes and a cooler spigot. So it basically costs like 35 bucks, I think, to make. I bought the really good Roughneck Totes and like the slightly bigger ones. Mm -hmm. And like I already said, there's a link in the show notes to the video that I used to build mine. It was from Epic Gardening. Uh, So basically, the way that the worm bin is set up is the bottom tote only has one hole in it for the cooler spigot. It's installed at the bottom so that you can drain that leachate. Um, And I had to use plumber's putty on mine so that it didn't leak. Um, Mm. I bought several different spigots and they leaked. Oh, no. (laughs) I know. But uh, plumber's putty takes care of that or you could try like some plumber's tape. So don't despair. There's totally uh, fixes (laughs) for that. And then uh, the next two bins have holes drilled all over the bottom. uh, And that's so that your leachate can drain to the bottom tote. And also so that your worms can move between the two bins once you get enough material and enough worms in there built up that you can have, you know, it be multi-tiered. But when you first start out, everything's only going to be in that very top tote. And you drill holes in the lid and along the top ledge of each tote so that your worms can breathe because worms need oxygen, obviously. And uh, the light from these holes helps keep them under the surface of the material that you put inside of your bin. Um, You don't want them crawling out of your bin (laughs) or like being all over the lid. You want them down in the things eating. So you've got to drill those holes so they know to go down because worms will naturally go to where it's dark. You know what's weird? 
or maybe it's not. I don't know. I've never thought about worms breathing before. Oh, I think that that's fair. <laughs> but like when I when I like really think about it, like yeah, they're down in the dirt, but obviously oxygen makes its way down there, but when it rains, like they all come to the surface and like hang out and they're totally fine. So I guess like I guess they do breathe. But how weird. Things you just don't think about. <laughs> right and well i mean i don't know if this is exactly why worms come to the surface but they'll drown in water yeah i guess that makes sense (laughs) so if the soil is too saturated i think they might come up to the surface to get air yeah and then that's just a really happy day for my chickens (laughs) yeah (laughs) mine too and my ducks oh my gosh (laughs) savages (laughs) So to get started with your worm bin, um, what you're going to do is um, you're going to add, or here's what I did. I added a mix of shredded paper um, that's been wet down kind of like to the consistency of a wet sponge. Mm. And I put a bit of kitchen scrap food in it and then the worms go in. And uh, pro tip, your worms like the bin to have kind of sat there for a few days and started cooking before you add them. So you want to be sure and um, set your bin up and put all of the items in it a few days before they show up because then they can start kind of eating and getting to town right away. And everything that you put in your worm bin, you want to make sure and cut it into small pieces because your worms will process it faster than if it's like a full giant thing. And uh, the worms that you want to start your bin with are called red wigglers. And I ordered mine from Uncle Jim's Worm Farm. And there will be a link to Uncle Jim's Worm Farm in the show notes. So you can order some from there if you would like. Those worms are also great fishing worms. Fun fact. So if you're a fisherman or a fisherwoman or you like to fish, (laughs) I guess is a better way to say that, then your worm bin can have a couple of uses rather than just composting. Um, And you can totally feed some worms to your chickens and ducks and um, other fowl if you'd like to do that as well. And um, earthworms aren't great candidates for a worm composting system. Um, They're just not the same as these red wigglers are. Um, So you want to make sure that you're starting out with a worm that is uh, specifically good for these types of bin systems. So do you consider yourself like a worm connoisseur at this point in your life? (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I would call myself a worm connoisseur yet. Um, I am just starting, but... (laughs) You've known me long enough now, you know, almost probably verbatim what I said to my husband as soon as we set up the first one. I was like, maybe worm farming is going to be my thing. And I'm going to have like 70 of these things and I'm going to sell composting worms locally. (laughs) And did he just like kind of nod and smile or did he have some comments about that I think he like heavy breathed and then that was it. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah, I can't just I can't just have an idea and leave it. Like I have to I have to take it all the way through in my brain. Yeah. I mean <laughs> there are worse form there are worse like sectors of farming you could probably try to get into. Um worm farming is probably one of the more entry level, easier access things for you to do. 
<laughs> well, yeah. And one of the reasons why I kind of thought about it is because we do have a couple of local restaurants here. So I thought I could maybe um, take some of their food waste, you know, like ends of lettuce or like carrots or, you know, like things that they probably normally throw in the trash just right. because they're big and it's easier for them. But if I gave them a trash bin specifically for food waste, maybe I could get them to throw it in it. And then I could help yeah. cut some of my little town's food waste. Um, and then the other reason was because I would have preferred to buy worms locally or just get worms from a friend because they're really prolific. Like they totally breed like crazy. So once you start really? having worms, like you're going to have a gajillion worms. Um, Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I thought like since I couldn't find any, maybe I can be that person that starts this and then people can pick up worms locally instead of having to, you know, use the energy required to have them shipped. Because, <laughs> you know, when you're starting to think about, you know, those things that you can do to like have closed loop systems or like more local systems, like that's a good place to start just getting stuff from friends. Did you know we have fun teas and drinkware just for the listeners of Drink and Farm? That's right. When you buy yourself awesome gear from our shop, not only do you get to drink and farm in style, but your purchase also helps support this show. And with your support, we're able to do new fun things for you, like producing additional shows, improving our sound quality, and providing more free downloads to help you on your farm. So go to drinkandfarm.com shop to see what's new. So you were just talking about, you know, ends of lettuce and getting food waste from people. Like, so what exactly can go into this worm bin? That is an excellent question because it's really important that you only put things that your worms can actually eat in there. <laughs> Otherwise, you could kill your worms or end up with a really stinky mess. <laughs> So uh, food scraps can go in it, and that includes things like melon rinds, roots, stems, leaves, cores, husks can go in there, seeds, skins, peels, um, all of those things can go in your worm composting bin. And you can also put eggshells, but not like the inside of the egg. They don't need oh, that, okay. just the shell. Um, and you want to crush it. In fact, um, so worms use it kind of like chickens do, like as grit. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, you can also put seaweed. I don't live by the sea, but maybe somebody else does. <laughs> <laughs> and um, rinsed seashells, like oyster shells can go in there as well. You'd want to crush those up also. But shrimp peels or like lobster tails, those do not go in the worm composting bin. You can give those to your chickens. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also put some really interesting stuff in there like um, natural fiber clothing. So if you have like old cotton t-shirts or socks, you can shred those up and throw them in there. Apparently they'll eat those. Oh. Um, or natural yarn or fiber. So like fiber, so you could put like, the stuff that you brush off of your farm animals in there, you know, oh. like their undercoat or even, you know, like their outer hair is fine too. Or if you're a spinner, like your um, extra fiber from spinning that can go in there. And um, so can yarn, like if you have naturally dyed yarn, so that would be like yarn that's dyed with like plants, but not like acid dyes. That's what they mean by like natural fibers. They can't be like the dyed stuff. 
you can um, put those in there too. Like if you've had any that have been moth-eaten or have like felted for any reason and just aren't usable for your projects, those can go in there. Uh, Non-glossy paper products. So like cardboard, newspapers, magazine inserts, the tubes from the inside of your paper towels or toilet paper, all of those things can go into that bin and your worms will eat them. And tea leaves and tea bags can go in there too. Just make sure that you remove the staple. Oh, yeah. And they love coffee and coffee filters. So like coffee it up. (laughs) So are worms like your spirit animal then? (laughs) Because Uh, you've been drinking coffee an awful lot on the podcast. Perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) You can also put like dead plants in there, grass clippings, pine needles and leaves. Um, Just make sure that they haven't been sprayed with pesticides because you don't want to accidentally kill your worms because, you know, pesticides have like a half life. So they aren't dangerous per se after a certain time. But if you don't know when they were sprayed, like, you know, you could totally accidentally kill your worm bin. Feathers can go in there and hair. So hair from you, hair from your animals. Yeah. Dryer lint. Uh, can go in there as well. And uh, the only thing really that you need to keep in mind if you put any of those things in, um, like I said earlier, is make sure that they cut up, maybe make sure that they're cut up really small so that your worms can process them easily. So then, okay, so we know what we can put in there now, but what what are some of the things that you should not put in there? So you shouldn't put any citrus in there. So like no limes, lemon, grapefruit, um, or the juice, the rinds or the juice. Don't put any of that stuff in there um, because that'll make the soil too acidic for the worms. You also don't want to put onions or garlic in there um, because a good rule of thumb is that it, if it makes you smell, it'll make your worm bin smell. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no meat, fats, grease, bones, or oils. Uh, so no butter or like stock from soups or anything like that. You also don't want to give them any plastic or plastic-coated paper because they can't digest those things. Um, They are not plastic eaters yet. Maybe someday (laughs) some worms will evolve into plastic eaters. That would be amazing. (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) That would probably be a pretty scary-looking worm. Uh, It'd probably have teeth. (laughs) You also don't want to give them stickers um, or even vegetable stickers, so make sure that you remove those. And also, they, so they can't eat stamps either. So if you get, if you shred up your junk mail for them, take the stamps off. Uh, they can't eat bread or crackers or cake or anything like that. Um, salt, pepper, or other spices, or milk, dairy, dairy products, or poop of any kind. Like don't don't put your cat or dog feces in the bin. Ugh. Yeah, um, it's not an actual like, so it's a composting system in that the worms eat the items and they compost them, but don't think of it as your compost pile. Got it. Yeah. So they break it down because they eat it. It doesn't break down because the stuff is sitting in there. (laughs) Like your compost pile does. And also, don't put any diseased or infested plants in there um, because you might end up with infestations in your bin, which would be kind of a bummer. I mean, it's already infested with worms. You don't need it infested with anything else. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. 
So uh, caring for your worms is super easy. They're basically like the easiest farm creature ever. There's just like a couple of things you want to keep in mind. Uh, They can eat one half of their body weight every day in food. So you want to make sure that you're not over or under feeding them. Uh, What I'll do is um, actually weigh the worms that I put in there. And that's how you calculate how much food you want to put in there a day until they grow and start multiplying. After that, you're kind of eyeballing it and guessing. Um, But to get started and get your worm bin in the right balance, that's the way that I recommend you get started. Um, Because one thing that you want to keep in mind is that overfeeding your worms could make your bin smell. Because like I said, it's not really designed Uh for actually breaking down the food. That's the worm's job. Um, So everything else can go into your like big compost pile that breaks down because it's a pile. Uh, You also want to make sure that you don't let your worms freeze or cook. So pay attention to their temperature. (laughs) Either way would be super gross. Um, And you want to make sure that you empty the castings and use them when you see that one of the bins is full and mostly broken down. And that's because you don't want your worms to run out of space or be like too far away from the food source. So you can sift out... um, the um, food that your worms haven't composted yet and your worms and put them all back into the bin. Uh, And like I had said earlier, your worms are going to be prolific breeders. So your worm colony is going to start growing fast once they reach maturity. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't have to like be too worried about losing some of them, (laughs) if that makes sense. Because they'll just, yeah, like rabbits, there will be more. Uh, Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And um, you'll want to pay attention to where you store your bin. You don't want to just put it anywhere because uh, you want to keep it somewhere where the temp stays between 40 to 80-ish degrees. That way they don't freeze or cook. Mm. Um, And thanks to Suzette on the Positively Green podcast, I learned that raccoons love worm bins. It's basically like a raccoon smorgasbord. Oh, no. Yeah, as soon as she said that, I fully pictured raccoons just, like, reaching their grubby little hands in there and, like, pulling out your food waste and your worms and just, like, stuffing them into their mouths. Yeah, let's put that on a (laughs) t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) Quite visual. (laughs) So, if you store your worm bin outside, ratchet strap it closed. Like, that's my solution. Jared was like, I'm pretty sure that bungee straps will work just fine. I was like, no, ratchet strap it. That's the only way. <laughs> Please and thank you. Yeah. I'm a big fan of ratchet straps, though. I use them for, like, everything. <laughs> your bin shouldn't smell. So it's totally fine to keep it in your basement or your garage or your barn. Um, depending on your climate, like I said, you have to make sure that it doesn't get too cold. I'm planning on keeping mine on the porch of the barn because it'll have mm-hmm. afternoon shade. So that'll keep it from getting too hot in the summertime, I'm hoping. Uh, and then in the winter, I'll bring it inside and put it in the basement. I thought about keeping it in the greenhouse, but sometimes my greenhouse gets up to 100 before I like run out there and open it. So I don't want them to like accidentally cook. So I think the basement is the best place to put it once the temperatures drop below freezing for me anyways. Uh, But wherever you put your worm bin, you want to make sure that it's convenient for you because you want to be sure that you keep feeding your worms, you drain that leachate out, and that you harvest your casting. So don't put it somewhere weird where you'll never go to it. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a a really good point because I was curious, like, 
how often you have to feed them and how often you need to check on them. So that makes sense that you would want it somewhere accessible. <laughs> Yeah, I, I read a few things that suggested you could feed them every few days if you wanted to. So if you've got like a really long vacation planned, you probably want to have your farm sitter like have some instructions for the worms too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but otherwise, uh, they should be fine for just a few days as long as you've been putting enough food in there when you get started. Um and um, one other tip that I got from Suzette on the Positively Green podcast is she also uses shredded paper in her composting bin. And she said, if it's smelling too much or if it feels like it's too wet, like just add more shredded paper to it. And that should help take care of that problem, which um, was really good advice because I had been kind of like, I've started my bin already. So I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this when it gets like weird or funky? Because that's always a possibility. <laughs> Right. So that's it. That's uh, all my stuff on getting started on a worm bin compost. So um, I'll probably have more follow up on it in the future yeah. eventually because it, it's still like a baby worm compost bin. <laughs> so not a lot is happening yet. Uh, and in fact, there's like very little happening yet. And you'll hear more about that if I can't even. But <laughs> yeah, keep us posted on your uh, worm army that you're growing <laughs> yeah i like that worm army <laughs> take over the world yes all right so now it is can't even corner do you want me to go first so you can actually have a few sips of your cocktail or do you want to go first no i'll let you go first so this is actually something that you and i talked about but it, it is all thanks to caitlin aka at wild rose farmer on instagram she posted in her story a video of kevin bacon uh the the movie star and tv star i guess he's done a lot of stuff you know like footloose no big deal <laughs> uh, <laughs> he is seen on his instagram singing with his goats and then uh, she posted that, and then she also posted him singing with either, I think it was a llama in the background. Um, and the llama video was a Backstreet Boy song, so I didn't know that I had to follow Kevin Bacon on Instagram until Wild Rose Farmer posted those, so thank you to her. Um, but apparently it was all supposed to just be a silly joke. Like he got his wife, a lot of these animals for her, their anniversary or their birthday or something. I'll link to the article in the show notes so you guys can see um so he he thought it would be funny just to post a video on instagram singing with his animals and didn't know it would really take off but i mean come on you're kevin bacon and you're singing <laughs> with farm animals like, how could you not know that that was gonna take off so um if you guys haven't seen that go check out his instagram because it's just too good <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's really good. I 100% followed him on Instagram, too, because of Caitlin's post, and it was amazing. <laughs> I don't regret it at all. <laughs> yeah, and um, I am just a big Kevin Bacon fan, too, like the movie Tremors. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of worms. <laughs> oh, like the movie those Tremors. are big worms. And the, more recently, there was a TV show called The Following, which was, like, about a cult leader, and, and Kevin Bacon was in it. He wasn't the cult leader, but you guys should go, like, try to find that and watch it if you're looking for a new show to binge watch. I think there were only, like, two seasons, but, yeah. So, 
that's my can't even for the day. Because who knew? Nice. Like, who knew? <laughs> All right. So what can't you even about this week? Okay. So my can't even is that my worms were actually lost by FedEx. So no! my worm bin doesn't actually have any worms in it yet. <laughs> oh, my God. So are they dead? <laughs> oh, for sure. They've got to oh. be by now. <laughs> So what are you going to do when you get the box? Like, are you going to open it and double check? So I will have to in order to make a claim and get my worms, uh, like, replaced. Because they do have an arrives alive guarantee. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. So that is good. But, yeah, when I saw that, because they were supposed to get delivered on Thursday, which was going to be perfect. So I was like, oh, good. I'll have my worms for a few days before we record this episode. But anyways, (laughs) (laughs) uh, they like it didn't update that they were offered delivery. And I thought that was weird. So I checked and I was like, nope, still in Columbus. And then I checked again the next day, still in Columbus. I checked again on Saturday like no scanning activity has happened on this thing in three days so i did email uncle jim's worm farms uh customer service and told them hey uh these are definitely lost in the mail how long can they live in their bag (laughs) but (laughs) it's the weekend so no one's gotten back to me yet so hopefully someone will get back to me soon but i have no idea how long they can live because you know they're just they're worms in a bag so they will starve to death eventually i'm assuming which is going to be super sad i mean i'll I'll end up putting them in my big composting just so that you know they have a place to go but i'm not looking forward to getting that package or opening it because it's going to be awful it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll probably have to have jared Ugh. open it because i'm gonna be like <laughs> oh god that's terrible yeah so i told jared i was like either that or they accidentally ran it over with the fedex truck um oh, god. that's that's only funny because i shipped some girl scout cookies to a friend and the post office ran the box over with the FedEx or with the mail truck. <laughs> so oh they were God. like a smushed, melty, like disgusting mess. <laughs> Are you kidding me? They ran it over and still <laughs> delivered it? No, they didn't deliver it. They put okay. a notice like in her box and she didn't understand what it was oh for. And then they like finally went down there and they were like, oh, Bev sent us Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> How sweet. That's definitely when the thought counts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, and Aurora drew you a nice picture, but that's oh. all right. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So make sure you send us your can't evens in the Facebook group, or you can send those to us via Facebook Messenger, Instagram, or you can email those to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com because we do one mini soda a month where we cover your can't evens. And be sure and leave us a review. We read one review from Apple Podcasts every week on the show. And at the end of the month, we choose a winner out of all the reviews that we read. And that person gets an exclusive coffee mug that is not and will never be in the shop. So do you want to read our review this week? I can. This one is from Carly Ernst, and she says, I can't figure out how to leave a review on iTunes, (laughs) but I found y'all last year, and I love y'all. I have big farm dreams in a garden and chicken-sized yard, making the most of it and learning tons. Y'all make learning fun and really does help me not feel so alarm, alarm, alone (laughs) in this farm thing. Cheers, ladies. Carly from Liberty Chick Farms. Oh, thanks for that review, Carly. And she left that on Facebook. So if you've been wanting to leave us a review and can't figure out 
the Apple podcast thing. Yeah. Leave us a review on Facebook because we really do love hearing what you guys think of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, uh, it's very motivating. Yes, <laughs> I agree. So make sure you hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen because this helps more people like you find us. And share this episode over on Instagram and your stories and tag us. We're at Drink and Farm because we'll send you a promo code for a discount in our merch shop. Make sure you take a look at the show notes to find links to all the things we covered today. A survey to tell us how we're doing anonymously and all of our social media and merch shop goodness. So that's it, guys. That's it. We hope you learned a lot about those wiggly worms and the good that they can do for the world. I mean, and really, your garden. They're, yeah, they're little superheroes just eating away at, at all that wasteful waste that we throw out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. So until next time, drink, farm, and, and give zero clucks. Bye, guys. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Spring has officially sprung here, and you know what that means? Not only are the days getting warmer and longer, but more creepy crawlies are coming out of hibernation. But not to worry, First Saturday Lime has you covered. First Saturday Lime is a safe, naturally protective barrier with so many uses. Not only can you use this for your chicken coops, but you can also use this in stables, barns, kennels, gardens, sheds, and more. It can also be used to control algae growth and be used as a whitewash. With so many uses, you'll want this ready to go for your spring cleaning and your projects. Go to firstsaturdaylime.com to get yours today.